Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. I'm Adam Best, here as always with producer Michael and the baby-faced Sterling Holmes. Sterling, I have to say, um, I don't know if, I've been, if I'd been if i be brave enough to make that bet, to bet the beard. I don't have it all the time, but I've been growing it for a while, so uh, you had some stones to, to throw that down. <laughs> Yeah, my my upper lip is extremely cold right now. Not the best time to bet it and shave it. I had some nice warmth protection happening, but no, not anymore. Now, now I look like I'm, uh, well, 12. Uh, I'm thinking more 17. <laughs> You're getting carded for sure. If you walk into Harpo's, they're going to, they're going to, you know, look at that driver's license. Oh. <laughs> Take a hard, hard look. Uh, We have so much to get into today. It's going to be a lot of fun breaking down the disaster that was the Chiefs game. Looking forward to what's ahead, as well as our event that we are having Sunday at Tanner's off Rainbow Boulevard. But first, Casey Bierko. That's something we can all be excited about and all agree upon. Cincy fans, Kansas City fans, Buffalo fans even, we all know the best beer, and that is KC Beer. KC Beer Co., uh, they brew their beer with only four ingredients based on the Bavarian Beer Purity Law of 1516. You will try it one time, you will be hooked. They now have a lot of specialty beers that are, are out coming just for the season. Go down and get KC Beer Co. I promise you, you will not regret it. KC Beer Co., dare to beer different. And I see TC Riley 27. Am I actually 15? No, I'm not. I am 28 years old. I am 28. Trust me. If I was 15, I would not be hyping up Casey Beer Co. like I was. I think <laughs> I just make you look young because I'm so old. That's what's <laughs> going on here. That's what's going on. Should we jump into some uh, Week 13 awards? Let's do it. All right. The first award is the It Was All Good Just a Week Ago award. Uh-huh. Why? Uh-huh. It was all good just a week ago. And the winner of this one is the entire Chiefs roster. Kansas City no longer controls its own destiny when it comes to the one seed. Kind of sounds familiar, right? Mm. Since he's taking that away from us and and us having to to hope other teams can can drop one, maybe expectedly or unexpectedly. I I don't know if we can really count on the Buffalo Bills to drop a game. Uh, regardless of who they're playing. I would say it's frustrating, but did we think Kansas City was not going to lose a single more game before the season was to end? I don't. I, I didn't expect them to go 15-2. and two. That would have been incredible. Even if they go 14-3, and three, that is just an unreal season for a team that has so many new parts. What they've done this year is incredible. We need to take a step back. I understand the moment this stings, this hurts, especially when two of the losses are to the two teams you're hoping to face in the playoffs in Cincinnati and Buffalo. Those are the two teams that you throw up there with Kansas City, right, as far as the the class of the AFC. You want to beat those two teams. I'll tell you this much, though. It's not the playoffs. 
It's not the playoffs. I know right now KC has the two seed. Is Buffalo going to win out? I don't know. KC has a pretty easy schedule towards the end of the season. Now they got to the tough part. Frankly, I, I'm okay. The, the Chiefs right now, they're not technically in the driver's seat, but they're still looking pretty good. I think they're okay too. And before the season starts, it's real easy for us to say the Chiefs are going to lose three, four, maybe even five games. But stomaching those games as spoiled Chiefs fans is much harder. I guess what I'm struggling with is it was starting to look like the Chiefs were pulling away from the crowd, like they were the clear favorite. And Buffalo maybe stumbled a bit. Maybe Cincinnati wasn't as good as last year. You have Philly. But do we all believe in Jalen Hurts? You have Dallas. Do we believe in Mike McCarthy? It looked like we were the team to beat. And now I just kind of feel like we're in the mix one week later. And life can come at you fast in the NFL. We're seeing that. What are the chances of the Chiefs retaking the one seed? I think pretty good. Quite frankly, I need to go through Buffalo's schedule again. Uh, but Kansas City, again, I mentioned, they, they've gone through the toughest part of their schedule. Uh, they have the Raiders. They have Broncos twice, right? Um, they have Seattle, which is basically their only real tough game left. Now, I know you have to play the games. We, we saw the Chiefs lose to the Colts, so not every game you just write down and pin and say, yeah, it's a Chiefs dub. But it, it looks good for Kansas City. It looks good the games they have left. They should be pretty drastic favorites in every single game that remains. Buffalo, easiest, take a look at. Easiest remaining schedule according to win percentage in the entire league. Yeah, and I don't see that. Is Buffalo going to have a slip up here between the end of the season? I, I would have to imagine as long as their schedule's not as easy as Kansas City's. As good as Buffalo is, this season in particular, not one team, especially the AFC, is just head and shoulders above the rest. Even Miami, we thought they were a really solid team. They got destroyed last week by Brock Purdy. The Ravens, Tyler Huntley's now taking over. I mean, every single team, you look around the NFL, there are issues. It's not just Kansas City. Uh, If I were to put money down, I would still have KC winning the one seed. Yeah, I think we have more kinks in the armor than I would like, but we also have the the human blemish concealer in Patrick Mahomes. So other teams don't have that. You saw with Tua, he looks great when he's protected and he has time. But when the heat gets dialed up, I don't know if there's a quarterback that has a bigger discrepancy between clean pocket and pressured. He had a complete meltdown, it seemed like. So we're seeing all of these teams kind of get exposed and when the Chiefs lose, they're not really getting exposed. They're losing by three points, four points. They're, other teams are having to eke out close wins. So that, that gives me some confidence that we're always going to be in the mix no matter who we play in the playoffs. So 538 has their, the Chiefs' odds for winning the Super Bowl at 17%. That feel low, that feel high, that feel about right. I mean, that feels about right. I mean, that's about a one-fifth chance of winning a Super Bowl. That seems pretty good. You're not going to get many times where that number is 50%, 60%. That's just not the way the NFL, especially this this number works. 
you're going to have to I think go it might through. be a little low. I think it might be a little low, actually, because I really only think there are five teams that win the Super Bowl, barring someone going on an all-time heater like the Nick Foles Eagles did. And I, I mentioned those teams earlier, but I think it's us, Cincy, Buffalo, Philly, and Dallas. Now that San Francisco and Baltimore have these quarterback issues that basically knock them out of contention. Yeah, 17 seems right. You give a couple percentage points to Minnesota because they might they might win a playoff game. You might have to give them a percentage or two. You give Miami probably a percentage or two. Maybe the Niners 1%, and there you go. There's your 17. Hey, if Matt Stafford got hot for three games, this is a stretch, but maybe Kirk Cousins could do it too if Justin <laughs> Jefferson just carries him on his back. I'm or if the games hard- are at noon. If the games are at noon, Kirk Cousins is elite. And there's like a national blackout or something, (laughs) you know, no bright lights, no prime time. He's fine, but he doesn't hold up under scrutiny. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I. I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, Yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Let's get into the next award, the Don't Get High on Your Own Supply Award. Lesson number two, don't get high on your own supply. That's right. Lesson number two, don't get high on your own supply. I'm about to get in trouble, Sterling, I think, by about half of the kingdom. Uh, Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed should heed that advice. The Chiefs safety duo, they talk like they're top five, and they've been playing like they're bottom five. You know, you want to talk that shit – you have to play like, not like uh, Eric Berry and Ed Reed, but at least like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And my problem with them is that they've they put all this pressure on themselves and their mouths have sort of written checks that their asses can't cash, right? So let's look at this. Thornhill started the season by predicted, he predicted he would be an all pro, right? And then he had a bad game and he kind of melted down on fans for coming at him a little bit, criticizing him a little bit. And I get that there are some trolls. There are some people that are acting inappropriate, that are attention seekers. You're a professional athlete. You got to just got to be above the noise. But I think hardworking fans that use their cash to go to your games, to buy your merch, to basically pay your paycheck 
they, they have to be somewhat polite, but that doesn't mean they have to sugarcoat everything. And they have every right to voice their opinion if you don't live up to your contract, your prediction, what we need from you. And then we had Justin Reed getting in a smack talk exchange with Jamar Chase, one of the most dangerous players in the, in the league. That was just asinine. And then to see him double down afterwards and, and after Andy Reed kind of uh, fired some warning shots, what the hell was that? So let's look at how they played this season, because if they were playing well, like I said, this wouldn't be that big of an issue if they could back it up, but they're not backing it up. Their PFF coverage grades rank 38th and 52nd out of 62 safeties who've seen at least 50% of snaps. They have, I shared this on Twitter yesterday, one combined turnover created between the two of them. And I know Juan Thornhill had one that got negated by penalty, but you could also say the one he got was kind of in garbage time. And this is, this is really going to hurt when you hear this. Last season, Daniel Sorensen and Tyron Matthew had eight. Now, I know they gave up big plays more often, but they, they were good at creating turnovers, and these guys do not create turnovers. Well, what about the tackling, you say? That might be the worst part. Juan Thornhill couldn't tackle your grandmother on, on Sunday. Justin Reed got stiff-armed to smithereens by Samaj P. Ryan. I don't know what to say about these guys. I just can't believe... Uh, the way they're playing, the way they're talking. I think that obviously the Chiefs should let Juan Thornhill walk after the season, but they're kind of stuck with Justin Reed. So my question for you is, did Veach make a mistake pri prioritizing him over Charvarius Ward? Well, I will say yes, because first off, I love Trevorius Ward, and he's having a incredible season for San Francisco this year. But it's a little different because the Chiefs knew they could get some someone else, someone younger, someone cheaper at corner. It's a little bit di different, even though they're both secondary. Safety and corner, they knew Trent McDuffie. Well, I don't know if they knew Trent McDuffie, right, because he kind of fell into their lap. But they, they can develop corners in this system, and they've shown a good job of doing that with – First-rounders, seventh-rounders, undrafted guys. But when it comes to safety, I had questions when they signed Justin Reed originally. We knew he played in a horrendous system with the Houston Texans, but he never popped. It wasn't like he was some guy down there who was making big plays. We knew he was a hard-nosed guy. He's not afraid to tackle. I don't think that's the issue. I think he does try. There's just been so many missed tackles between him and Juan and Thornhill this season. I think your turnover point is a very good one. I do, but I do think it's a little different this season. Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen, more gambling, if you will. It, it felt like in last year's iteration of the safety group, they prioritized big plays on both sides, whether it's making big plays or giving up big plays, gambling, if you will. That was prioritized. This season, in my opinion, the big uh, impetus was on let's not give up big plays. Let's make teams try and drive down. And we've noticed that. I mean, even against the Cincinnati Bengals, that was noticeable as well this time around. Less big plays, right? For the most part. Sure. 
I think you'll see more interceptions in this system on the cornerback side of things than you will from the safeties, just based on how the scheme has played out. But your point still remains. If you're not forcing turnovers, if you're not tackling, what are you doing? Where, where's the impact? I, I just don't understand how you can be talking like this and play like that. You lose and then you still talk shit after Andy Reid, a Hall of Fame head coach, tells you to cut it out and we don't do that here? Now, if it was if it was me, if I was Andy Reid, I'd sit him for, for a half. I'd, I'd do a college-type situation. Well, no, I would do a – I get it. It's a college-type situation or a high school-type move. I get it. Send a message. And maybe some of the other players who are talking on Twitter who are not getting recognized as much, Juan Thornhill talked a little bit. Colin Saunders was talking a little bit. Maybe that'll stop them from hopping on Twitter if they think their playing time could be of some concern. Again, I'm saying you don't want to sit guys that cause you to lose a game, but is that really going to cause them to lose a game if Brian Cook's getting more playing time? It's not like they're stepping up right now and making massive plays. I don't even think you have to discipline those two guys. Brian Cook deserves more playing time. We know what we have, certainly in one Thornhill. The excuse that he needed time to come back from his ACL tear that's way in the rearview mirror, right? Brian Cook, he's made some mistakes, but we've also seen some flashes. And we're going to need him to replace Juan Thornhill in, in the second. Maybe, maybe not directly, but one of those spots. I think Justin Reed might be a little bit more versatile than him. Uh, and we haven't seen Justin Reed in this system that long. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm willing to maybe give him a bit of a mulligan because of the team he played for previously. That franchise was a mess. He wasn't surrounded by any quality leadership with players and not much talent on the defensive end. And he's new in the system. So other than the doubling down thing, which was just, just incredibly stupid. uh, I don't think, I think Justin Reed has time to turn this around, but I think it's over for Juan Thornhill. Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily even that Justin Reed's had a horrendous season. I don't think he's been bad. I think he's been average. I think he's been fine. But they were expecting more from him this season. I do think they made the right decision moving on from Tyron Matthew. I, I don't personally believe Tyron Matthew's had a great year this year either, just watching the Saints games that I have seen. I think the decision was right. I think they expected more from Justin Reed. Justin Reed hasn't been bad. Both things can be true. We'll see Justin Reed hopefully progress over uh, the rest of this year as well as going forward. Let's get into the next award, the Welcome Back Award. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This goes out to three players who all missed action last weekend. Joe Tooney, Kadarius Tony, and Michael Hardman. In my opinion, the Chiefs cannot welcome these three back fast enough. So Nick Allegretti was kind of a mess out there. I know he sort of held his own against the Rams, but against the Bengals, he allowed six pressures and two hits and 33 pass blocking reps. I thought he also struggled in run blocking versus DJ Reader. And it's interesting that both Orlando Brown and even Creed Humphrey, uh, Humphrey to some degree did not look as good without Joe Tooney there as the anchor of that offensive line, as its most durable, most experienced, 
I would say, most competent member. And even on that last play, I know it's that last third down is like the Chiefs ver- version of the Zap Ruder film, right? Everyone has their their pet theory. Um, I wonder if Joe Tooney was there, whether through communication or experience or just talent, would have bought Mahomes an extra second there or helped Orlando Brown in some fashion when, when it was a nice little change up that the Bengals threw because they had been uh, rushing with uh, Hendrickson and Hubbard who are kind of like, yeah, three dudes and getting pressure. They're like lunch pail, the white lunch pail guys who aren't really known for their, their athleticism, their motor guys. And they bring in Joseph Asai, who I think is a little faster and bendier. And not only did, Orlando Brown Jr. sort of over anchor to the outside. When Asai came came around and started chasing Mahomes, I think Mahomes was a little surprised by the closing speed there. You can't if you're an elite left tackler, if you think you are, you shouldn't have to have help. That's what Andrew Wiley or a replaceable left tackle needs. He did have help too. He had help to the outside. Orlando Brad Jr. has honestly been fine for the past, what, four or five weeks leading up to this game. Um, mm-hmm. I was someone who said we should call out when he does well the same way we call out when he does poorly, but he he did extremely poorly in this game. Him, Andrew Wiley, uh, you mentioned Allegretti. Joe Tooney, I think, would have helped a lot, but obviously every team deals with injuries. Blaming a loss on injuries or guys who are not there, in my mo- in my opinion, is a soft uh, soft thing to do for the most part. Uh, I don't think we're going to all of a sudden be uh, thankful if we beat Buffalo without Von Miller. You know, Buffalo, if they start pointing, well, we didn't have Von Miller. Well, you know, every team has injuries. It's what happens. Uh, I do think that uh, Jerome in the chat brought up a good point. Uh, really missed Joe Tooney's communication. That might have been lacking. Uh, I, I think that's a very good point. Joe Tooney is the anchor on that team. Yeah, they miss him. They miss him. And Orlando Brown Jr. and Andrew Wiley, not much is going to be done during this season. Uh, going into next year, left tackles not not deep in the draft or in free agency. It's not ideal. I think at right tackle, you have more options with Lucas Niang, Darren Kennard. Uh, I don't know about Prince Tegawanogo, what's going to go on there. But there might be an upgrade in that aspect. But as far as this year goes, the best hope is you find a way to make it work with those two at tackle. And leading up into this game, the past four or five weeks, they found a way. I agree with that. Sometimes, though, you don't know how good a player is until he's unable to play, how valuable he is. And I think Joe Tooney is one of the more valuable players on this entire roster, and we found that out. Now, moving on to Kadarius Tony and McCole Hardman, I thought the offense looked a little sluggish, a little predictable. Those guys can kind of be an extension of the running game, and – they basically, the artist that is Andy Reid as a play caller, they kind of give him unlimited options. He felt a little limited on Sunday. And Lou An- uh, Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, it looked like he knew it was coming. It was kind of in a groove with feeling out the Chiefs' defense. So I think those guys are the key. At least having one of those guys healthy and active 
is the key to keeping defenses guessing without Tyreek Hill on the roster anymore. I think Kadarius Toney and McCall Herman bring something to the table. I do. I think to an extent, they're almost interchangeable. Uh, I think McCall Hartman, if I'm not mistaken, still has one more game left on IR. Kadarius Tony practice today. That's good news, right? Kadarius Tony getting at least some work in. Hamstring injuries are always going to be um, tricky. We saw it with Sammy Watkins. I'm not saying Kadarius Tony is Sammy Watkins, but so far throughout his young career, that's what we're seeing. A guy who's missing a lot of games and has had to do primarily with his legs. I remember seeing a while back someone saying they should get Kadarius Tony with a guy that helped uh, Lorenzo Kane, or at least find the same game plan that helped Lorenzo Kane, the center fielder, former center fielder for the Royals, because Lorenzo Kane had similar issues, a lot of leg injuries younger in his career than as he uh, progressed. They were find they were finding ways to keep him healthy. Hopefully you can find the same thing with Kadarius Tony, but to me, Kadarius Tony's more of a difference maker than it is McCall Hardman. Um, McCall Hardman think, is very good in the red zone, though. He's been excellent. He's been excellent down there. Maybe some of that is variance. Uh, it's funny with well, it's not funny with Kadarius Tony's health. My dad actually calls him Cadaverous Tony. Um, the guy, the guy's always hurt. The guy's always hurt, and I know we got excited. Uh, my question here for you in the chat would be, is this a, an abundance of caution? The Chiefs just kind of putting him on the Sammy Watkins plan and saying, okay, we've seen enough. This guy has the juice. He can do a little bit of everything. We've, we've seen him uh, seen him kind of do a gadget play. We've seen him short, intermediate. We've seen him uh, go up and be a ball winner. That's, that's enough. We do not need to see any more. Maybe he's not going to learn – the entire the entire uh, playbook or run a complete route tree, but there's enough that he can do playing half of the snaps that he's going to be a difference maker in the playoffs. And let's not risk that by rushing him back when really at worst, the chiefs are going to end up being the two seed. Yeah. Let me get into a couple comments before we move on to the next award. TC Rally 27. Yo, that was me. Thanks for the uh, Lorenzo Kane, Kadarius Tony advice. Good idea. Uh, angry, drunken German. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is not an athlete. He's a he's not a freak talent. He's a big, strong mauler. Not a great fit for this offense O-line. I agree with you. Uh, he is the opposite of Eric Fisher, although they get uh, a lot of the results will say they were very similar. I think Eric Fisher obviously ekes him out in some of those categories, but Eric Fisher was very athletic. Uh, in some instances, I would say you're right. Eric Fisher was a better fit than Orlando Brown Jr. Um, uh, Azim Norris says they're saving Kadarius Tony for the playoffs. Uh, and then Doug NKC, Hardman and Tony can open up the field big time. I agree to an extent, but we saw the field open with MVS. You know, he made one great deep catch, one great play by the Cincinnati Bengals cornerback. He also had a massive drop in the end zone. Luckily, they didn't come back to bite them. They are able to find Jarek McKinnon for a touchdown. MVS, though, he stretches the field one way. He's Kyle Korver. He's just out there shooting threes. That's all he does. And stretching the field kind of horizontally and keeping the defense guessing with all this gadget versatility and how multiple those guys make the Chiefs offense. It's just a different element that I don't think Juju or MVS can provide at all. And Sky Moore, that's, he had a nice little end around, but I don't think that's really his game either.
Let's get into the next award, the Hell's Coming With Me Award. You tell them I'm coming, and Hell's Coming With Me, you hear? Hell's Coming With Me! I want you, Sterling, to grow that Wyatt Earp mustache now. You're coming back. Your facial hair is coming back, and Hell's Coming With It. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, it's cold now. Eating soup with a mustache is a disaster. It's soup season, baby. There you go. This one has Travis Kelsey's name written all over it. God, I, I almost, almost feel sorry for the Denver Broncos because you know Travis Kelsey will be a man possessed this uh, coming Sunday. Every time Travis Kelsey makes a costly mistake, we saw this in the famous comeback in the 2019 playoffs against the Texans where he fucked up and then just went completely scorched earth and engineered that comeback with Mahomes. So history tells us that he will be back with a vengeance. I also want the fan base to show him some grace. I think people are, but in his, he's been around for 10 years, but let's keep it real. He's played nine. He's played nine years. He has 12 fumbles. He's lost 10 of them. And when you consider how he rumbles down the field like a, like a bull in a china shop, he actually does a good job, I think, with ball security. And you'll take that trade-off. You'll take that one fumble loss per season if Travis Kelsey gives you, gives you these long, like, like the game winner against the Chargers last year. That's the trade-off that I'm willing to accept. Yeah, dude is a graceful rhinoceros. Travis Kelsey is so incredibly talented. You don't see him fumble very often. And again, it, it's okay. Everyone makes mistakes. When, when Mahomes throws an interception, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It was a horrendous moment, but I don't even blame Travis Kelsey that much. He, it wasn't like he was LaShawn McCoy in it. It wasn't a loaf of bread out here. It didn't get punched out. He had it covered up. He was sick. And he was stood up by three dudes. Was he and they sick? stripped him? Have we got like official confirmation on that? I, I've seen I've seen multiple things. I he allegedly was sick. Shrug allegedly. It's okay. It was a great play. Sometimes you have to give great play grave kudos to the defense. The Bengals made a play. The Chiefs don't do that very often, by the way, which always frustrates me. When was the last time you see them gang tackle? The only ones that did were the offensive guys on that exact same play. The offensive guys are trying to get the ball back. But when was the last time you've seen Chiefs players, three guys swarming around a guy, holding them up while they try and just rip the ball out? Peanut punch. It was unfortunate, unlucky, and I'm not worried. Travis Kelsey will come back with a vengeance. I'm thinking he's going to have a multi-touchdown game. Hmm against Russ. He's the one that's going to do the cooking this weekend. <laughs> I will eat Travis Kelsey's cooking. Don't know about Russell Wilson's. Uh, before we get into the hot take kingdom. First off, I just want to say we appreciate everyone who listens to this, everyone who subscribes to this, everyone who comments, whether you like us or don't like us, even to some of the opposing fans, sometimes the respectful ones, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. Some of the bills fans that join, they're very nice people, and we've become good friends with you guys. We appreciate all of you guys. If you want to drop us a like and a review, we would really, 
Really appreciate that. We also have a Discord where you can subscribe. It's in the YouTube page. Um, and obviously, we have the event Sunday at Tanner's off Rainbow Boulevard. It's going to be a very, very fun time. I'm sure Verderam will give one of his famous rants at some point as the Chiefs keep the game a little too close for comfort against the Broncos. But we're going to have a great week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And we just want to say thank you for everyone who listens, who likes, and who posts and subscribes. Thank you. Hot take, uh, hot take kingdom. Let's do it. So this week's hot take kingdom is it's time to get over the brand in the can, on the can, excuse me, and admit that the Bengals, the Bills are the Chiefs' worst matchup. Welcome to the kingdom. When I say brand on the can, what I mean is the Bengals have just been the Bengals for so long that I think it's hard for us to wrap our mind around this team being one of the NFL's premier franchises in this moment. And perhaps going forward, we will see how they will handle uh, their salary cap once Joe Burrow is no longer on his rookie contract, once it becomes time to, to hand the bag to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. But right now, they're a problem. The obvious argument is that Burrow has never lost to the Chiefs, and he's beaten them in the playoffs. Josh Allen can't say that. Nobody else can say that. Uh, so let's dig deeper than that. The obvious thing that happened today is Vaughn Miller's ACL injury. That is a crushing, crushing blow to the Buffalo Bills. And many of us speculated we, we didn't root for injury because we never root for injury and, and nobody with, with a soul should ever do that. But we speculated before the season started, hmm, is it smart to sign a 33-year-old with a somewhat spotty injury track record to a six-year, now I know some of those years are not real, but a long-term $120 million contract with $45 million guaranteed. They were so desperate to beat the Chiefs and win a Super Bowl this year that I think they didn't look forward. And it's kind of bit them in the ass. And without, they have many good players on defense. But I think Vaughn Miller is arguably the best player in their defense. And now they don't have him. They don't have him for the rest of the year. Uh, the Bengals have a more consistent running game. It's interesting. They've kind of switched to a, a shotgun rushing style. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but ever since week five, they've been fourth in rushing EPA. And I trust that running game with Joe Mixon and Samaje Piran more than I do, I guess, the trio now of James Cook, Devin Singletary, and Naheem Hines. If Jamar Chase and Stefan Diggs are a wash, I'll take T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd over Gabe Davis and Co. No hesitation. I think that the, the Bengals have the better receiving room there. And the Chiefs are young, and we've discussed the safeties. They're, they're mid at best. We've established that. This is just a bad matchup for, for the secondary. Now, I think the corners hung in there. But Spags probably felt extremely limited what he could do uh, and if he didn't want to surrender the big play like he did last year. He gave up some big plays to the Bengals, didn't want to do that again. 
And what scares me about this season's Burrow as opposed to last year, and this is especially true recently, he's kind of stopped playing as much hero ball. He didn't really play any hero ball against the Chiefs Sunday. He kind of dinked and dunked more. He was taking what was open. The Chiefs linebackers also had a rough day, and Burrow was just kind of carving them up during the middle of the field. He has lowered his A dot, his average depth of throw, and he's taking less sacks. And the Chiefs have a real problem getting home to him. That was true last year. That was true Sunday. They hit him once, twice, if you count Stallworth's uh, roughing the passer call, which is eh, a little questionable, right? They double Chris Jones and make the other defensive linemen win. And for the most part, they can't win. And that's really frustrating because the Bengals offensive line on paper, it's very average. And earlier in the season, it was poor. They should not be able to win against the Chiefs defensive line. But there's just something about their personnel, their scheme, and, and our defensive line's limitations outside of Chris Jones that just makes it a favorable matchup for Cincinnati. Uh, on the flip side, talking about the Bills now, Josh Allen can still kind of fall into, I think he has some bad habits still. He tries to do too much. He makes errant decisions at times, especially when things aren't going Buffalo's ways uh, way. When, when Buffalo is playing well, he just rolls. But when things start to fall apart a little, he, I think he's a little shakier than Joe Cool. Plus the elbow thing. And then plus a new defensive, I mean, excuse me, offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey with Brian Dable now in New York. Uh, I mentioned him earlier, but man, if there is one person who can kind of call himself the Mahomes stopper, it is Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals. This guy has got to be a head coach. Uh, they don't have a superstar on that defense, but to me, they do a better job against the Kansas City Chiefs than any team. And not just Mahomes, that, that includes Kelsey, a guy that Derwin James couldn't stop, a guy that Jalen Ramsey couldn't stop. They have found the answers. That entire defense plays sort of in sync, in harmony with each other, and – uh, they've all bought in. I think that guy should be a head coach. And they dropped eight less. I know that was the problem last year, but they did it a little less this game, but they did a masterful job of disguising that. And you didn't know if they were, they were sitting the house on a blitz or faking that and dropping eight. And that's kind of how they got Mahomes, in my estimation, on that final play. Mahomes has taken less sacks than any NFL starting quarterback in the league only 19, but that doesn't matter against the Bengals. They've found a way to get to him. And perhaps even more importantly, while Joe Burrow is able to scramble on the other side, they've done a phenomenal job of corralling Patrick Mahomes in terms of scrambling. Now he's not Lamar Jackson, but when it comes to seeing the field and, and being an efficient scrambler, there might not be a more effective quarterback in the league than Mahomes. And when you take that away from us, it really, really hurts as the game goes on. And this is kind of my final point. Psychologically, the Bills might, might still have a little bit of little brother syndrome. Uh, in OT last year, to me, it looked like 
Their defense said, here we go again. Cincy has none of that. The Chiefs entered the fourth quarter with a 77% win probability. Bengals didn't flinch, did not flinch for a second. I think they've taken a bit of a sledgehammer to this team's aura of invincibility. The middle edge is gone. We may have a middle edge over every other team in the league, but not with these guys. And in fact, they might even have the middle edge at this point. I thought they were in our head a little bit Sunday. Um, So I'll let you have the floor. I've run my mouth long enough. Uh, Should we lower the castle gates or should we keep them up? No, I agree with you. I I think for sure Cincinnati is the worst matchup for Kansas City, even more so than the Bills. Um, I think the Bills might have the better overall team, if that makes sense. But the Bengals have shown they're a tougher matchup. Joe Burrow has not made a, a poor decision to cost him a game. We've seen Josh, and I love Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen's more talented than Joe Burrow, right? But Josh Allen can still make poor decisions time and again. He can let you back into games. Joe Burrow, we've not seen that from. Joe Burrow uh, and, and the weapons for Cincinnati, I think, overall are better than, than the Bills. I think Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, that's a very good point. Then after that, I think Gabe Davis is a good good wide receiver. But T. Higgins might be a wide receiver one. And Tyler Boyd is a very good wide receiver two on the majority of teams. Hayden Hurst, Dawson Knox, both are really talented tight ends. The running game for, for Cincinnati, I think, is better. And I think the Bills have a little bit of what the Chiefs do sometimes. They can run the football effectively sometimes in games, then go, that's not fun. Give it to Josh Allen. Give it to Mahomes. Cincinnati, if they're running the ball well, what are they going to do? They're going to pound the rock with Joe Mixon, with Samaj P. Ryan. We've seen it time and time again. I, I do think the Bengals are a tougher matchup for Kansas City than the Buffalo Bills. Wow. We're chilling together in the, uh, in the castle. I'm pretty happy about that. But, yeah, I am, I'm worried about this team. And the emergence of Samaj P. Ryan, who maybe not a more dynamic player than Joe Mixon, but he is a hard-nosed rusher. I mean, he breaks tackles, and he, he delivers some punishment. We saw that on the stiff arm to Justin Reed. That's a nice one-two punch. Uh, I, I think it's better than our one-two punch, and I already said it was better than Buffalo's. So this is a really complete team. And the consensus coming into the season was that Buffalo was the most complete roster in the NFL. I would have to say right now that yes. goes Eagles or Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they just don't have a lot of holes. No, I, Eagles look incredible. How do you want it? You want 300 on the ground, they'll give it to you. You want 380 through the air with Jalen Hurts, they'll give it to you. The Eagles right now, they look extremely complete. But just in the AFC, I think some of the comments put it perfectly. Jose Luis Gutierrez says, we got out coach. That's what it ultimately is. Uh, I think to an extent you're correct there. Uh, angry, drunken German. Bengals can't stop the run, but Andy Reid can. Third game in a row, uh, Chiefs could run the football, couldn't pass protect. Well, that's how you fall and lose that game. Zachary says Chiefs could run the ball 70% of the time next time against them, and they probably would win. I'm with you, but it just happens, man. It, it's, it's frustrating because they were gashing the Bengals on the ground. No denying it. But I don't know if it's Mahomes. I don't know if it's Andy Reid. Whatever it is, and they just sit here and go, it's not fun. It's not fun. Let's throw the ball. 
That third and three frustrates the hell out of me for multiple reasons. I, I don't want to just keep beating a dead horse, but very quickly, if you run the football, you have two opportunities to pick it up. Okay. I understand folks wanting him to dump down to McKinnon in that situation. He was not the first option. If you look at the all 22, it was not a for sure. McKinnon was going to pick that up. Okay. It wasn't a for sure. That was a first down. But if you're going to throw the ball with Mahomes on third down, why the hell are you going to all of a sudden kick a 55 yarder? You trust Mahomes on third down, trust him on fourth. Either hey. run the ball twice or, or pass it twice. That's all I'm saying. Have some consistency, Andy Reid. If you're going to be aggressive with Mahomes on third and short and pass, be aggressive with him on fourth down. Because even if you make that 55-yarder, do you think the Bengals, who have been held to one punt all day, aren't going to score? Mm-hmm. Frustrating. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my pet peeve. Not kicking field goals when you have Mahomes unless you absolutely has to, have to. That's kind of my hobby horse. I don't understand it. There were a few moments on fourth down, one in particular, where he was aggressive. You'll see it sometimes. The fourth oh. and four, and they picked it up, and what did it lead to? A touchdown! That's right. What did Andy Reid say after the game? It was still field goal time. Dude, there was three minutes left in the game, and Burrow was was cutting through that defense like a hot knife through butter. There was no way the Kansas City defense was going to stop him. Uh, it, it wasn't bend, don't break. It was, it was, bre- it was bend and break, right? They were, they were not going to stop Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Uh, they made plays down the stretch. The defense tried, but they just didn't have anything for them. You got to stop kicking field goals in those situations and trust the best player on the planet. All right. We can put a poll out there. Who do you think is the toughest team for Kansas city to face? We say the Bengals, Adam and I both agree, doesn't happen often, but we're both agreeing in this instance. Let us know what you guys think in the poll and in the comments. Let's get into a new segment that Adam wanted to try out called the weakest link, Chiefs defense. Give us a little rundown here. What's this game? Yeah. Uh, So let's go through the Chiefs defensive starters and rank them from first to worst with some help from the chat. Since I think we all know that this offense is good enough to win the Super Bowl, but is this defense? And what I'm wondering is, do we just have a lack of of talent, particularly a lack of star talent? So what we're going to do is we're going to start with – probably Chris Jones at one, and we're going to go down to 11 and we're going to, you and I are going to debate. Okay. We've, we've, we've got Chris Jones. Who's next all the way until we get to the weakest length link, excuse me, on the defense, which would be number 11. Let's get into the game. Sure. Uh, Chris Jones won. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why I used him as an example. Cause it's like the biggest no brainer of all time. Perfect. Number two, uh, I'm going to go with Legereus Sneed. No pushback from me. That's my guy. So we're united once again. The brain trust is really united today. I'm loving it. Could we do three and four as a combo, you and me? Can we do three and four? Because I honestly could put either one it. at three. You can pitch it. Nick Bolton and Trent McDuffie. I think what we should do is put Nick Bolton at three with the caveat that it's temporary and Trent McDuffie looks like he's going to pass him. 
Mm. The upside's certainly there. Yeah. I don't know that Nick Bolton is ever going to be a blue chipper. I think Trent McDuffie has the ability to be uh, a star. Yeah. We'll see if he gets there. Yeah, I, I'm very enthused by both of those guys. I think Nick Bolton had his worst game as a Kansas City Chief. Uh, he's been good his entire career, his young career in Kansas City. This season, he's been outstanding. Get off blocks. Got to get off blocks, hey, man. But but I'm I'm somebody's going to say, you know what? You can have a bad game. No one's perfect. The guys that don't have a single bad game are all pros, and even all pros sometimes have a bad game. Sure. Trevor Duffy, I'm with you. Uh, it's looking like, at least in my eyes, both both guys are are three A and three B between McDuffie and, and Nick. One Bull. note on McDuffie before we move on: I was super impressed with him going head to head with Jamar Chase, who's got to be an intimidating player to go against. That guy is just an athletic marvel and a gamer. Very intense player. McDuffie did not back down. He was up to the challenge. He played him very well. And there's not a tougher matchup in the league, in my opinion, than Jamar Chase. So if he can go toe-to-toe with that guy, he can go toe-to-toe with anybody. So we have Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed, Nick Bolton, Trent McDuffie. Uh, five. Man. I'm going to go with... Willie? I'll go with Willie Gay Jr. I'll agree there. We're starting to do things a little begrudgingly, maybe at this point already. Yeah. The Let's hierarchy get... is not very clear. <laughs> uh, for six, uh, this might be a surprise, but I'm actually going to go with Joshua Williams. I think Joshua Williams' progression has been uh, very fun to watch. I think his athleticism and size helps. Uh, I think even in this game, we saw him at times really show glimpses of what he can become. Yeah, he got burnt in that one play by Jamar Chase. He kind of slipped and then tried to tried to be a hero, right? He slipped and should just at that point go, all right, let me hold up and push him out of bounds. He tried to make a late dive at the ball, didn't get to it, and that led to a bigger play. But I think Joshua Williams is – not a weak link on this defense. In my opinion, too, he's firmly entrenched above Jalen Watson. And now I see why that she's felt comfortable letting Rashad Fenton walk, or at least uh, a trade for a seventh rounder. What gives me hesitation here is not knowing what's going on in the locker room. How much Spags has to change his playbook because of Joshua Williams' lack of experience. So the other player I'd like us to consider here is George Karloftis, who actually had, I know there wasn't a lot of bright spots on, on, on Sunday, but he actually had the team's highest pass rush win rate uh, at 20%. I think we're starting to see signs that he's going to come along. I don't know that he's going to be uh, a, an all pro or even the next Tom Ali. Uh, certainly not probably going to be Justin Houston, but I think he still has the potential to be an above average starter who you want to go with. Who does the chat want to go with? We might need some help here to break this tie. Yeah. I would go Williams at, at six or at seven or six personally. And then I'd go Karloftis at seven. So I'm not too far off with you, but I, I would trust at this point, I think is, is more of a game changer. And I do think the fact that, Karloftis does not seemingly get a ton of sacks at a edge rusher position, 
where the D-line has struggled mightily, and I think cornerback for the most part has been relatively solid. Yeah. I think, to me, that leads more to Josh Williams above Karloftis. And, and the tiebreaker might be that Karloftis rotates in and out. Mm-hmm. Williams is in there all game. He has to be accountable and and play well for the entirety of the game. One mistake by him, and that could be an L. Yeah. All right. So we'll only say six, seven, Williams in Karloftis at eight. I think I'm actually going to go Frank Clark. Frank Clark has been okay this season. Like, he's not been a game changer. He's not been what the Chiefs signed him and traded for. But he's been better than I think the majority of fans want to give credit to. Again, he's not been a game changer. But he's been solid, especially stopping the run. He still has the bubble guts here and there, so that makes it difficult to count on sometimes. But I don't think he's been the weakest link. I don't either. My issue with Frank is just consistency. One week he'll look great, and then the next two weeks he'll look like trash. And I don't think he's a guy you can count on. He misses games the off the field stuff. So that comes into consideration when we're talking about the weakest link link, but inside the locker room, you hear that Frank is influential, has a presence. So that makes up for a little bit of that. I agree. Let's stick him at eight and move on to nine. Uh, So nine, I'll go with the combination of Saunders and naughty, that combination of, of D tackles, um, and by they the way, not, we're, they we're were doing not starters. good against the Bengals. They were Correct. not good. By the way, we're, we're doing starters. That's why you're not going to hear Mike Dana or Carlos Dunlap uh, since they're not technically starters. Uh, Saunders and Derek Nadia have been getting a good amount of snaps apiece. They're going to get thrown in here as a combination. Uh, so there'll be nine on my That's a list. big combo. That's like uh, 650 pounds probably. Uh, it's sturdy, stout. A lot of man meat there. Dude, <laughs> you guys see what I'm working with here? Everyone in the chat, we, we have Adam Best saying man meat. I, hey, I know you well enough to know what would get you. You gave me the reaction I was looking for. I love it. <laughs> Let's move on to 10 and not dwell on that last talking point. Uh, Justin Reed. Yeah, Justin Reed. Justin Reed. And then that and, leaves one Thornhill at 11. So and, what we've come to the conclusion of the safeties. Yeah. And I don't think to an extent they've been horrendous, which also, if you want to put this in perspective, this defense is not atrocious. It's not good. I, I think you can make the case that four players, Legarius, Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, uh, and Trip McDuffie, I think four players, you make the case that those four players, there'd be starters on any team probably in the NFL, right? Would you agree there? Yeah. For the most part, I'd say all, all four of those guys. And then you start getting into, would Willie Gay Jr., where, where, where does he fit in on a lot of teams? Josh Williams, Carl Loftus, Frank Clark, Colin Saunders, Derek Nottie, Justin Reed, uh, and Juan Thornhill. Justin Reed, I mentioned it. He's been fine, but the Chiefs expected mm. more than fine. With the contract and for the positional value, if you're paying a safety that much money, I'm not saying he's necessarily breaking the bank, but if you're paying that much money to a safety, you expect some, some more results. You don't expect 
to get stiff-armed by Samaji Ryan. You don't expect to be a guy who's not forcing turnovers or making big plays. That's where that comes into. Juan Thornhill, uh, by the way, has not lived up to the all-pro moniker he gave himself heading into this season. Hell no. I am not as high as you are. Well, not high, but I'm lower on both the safety tandem and the Chiefs defense overall. They are 25th defensively in DVOA, 22nd in EPA per play. Uh, They're 27th in turnover differential. And then points points allowed per drive. On that stat, they were in their their two Super Bowl years, 12th and 13th. This year, they're 24th. Just give just give him a homes average. Just give him a little bit of help. I don't know. I think the kingdom sometimes, I don't know if it was that our identity during the 90s when the stadium first started erupting and the culture really got multiplied. It was sort of this defensive presence, Marty Ball, like I said. I don't know if that's what it is, but we have the tendency to overrate our defense. I've done it too. We were getting a little too high on, on Colin Saunders probably a couple weeks ago. And, and he hasn't been, he hasn't been good. He had a rough night against the Bengals. He might be in over his head. I believe that we really miss the presence of Turk Wharton. He doesn't get talked about very much, but he was a really good interior pass rusher who probably was more qualified to be a starter in the National Football League than either the tandem of Saunders and Naughty. And they're really a tandem because neither one of those guys is good enough to be an all and every down starter. Yeah. Correct. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. And I, I do think part of it comes from, you mentioned the 90s, but I think even past then, the, the cornerback tandem of Brandon Flowers and Brandon Carr, uh, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, Tom Bahali, Justin Houston. Uh, we, we've been blessed to see a lot of great defensive players. And frankly, at times, the Chiefs had to be defensive-oriented because they could never find the quarterback. I think that also plays, plays somewhat of a part. When you have a guy like Mahomes, teams know they have to go for it on fourth downs. Teams know they have to be extra aggressive. And I do think to an extent that plays into it, same time, you can't be bottom bottom third in all those metrics and come here and say, this Chiefs defense is getting it done because, frankly, they are not. And, by the way, Josh Briscoe, uh, great guy. Follow him on Twitter at JB Briscoe. Uh, I work with him in radio over here at Sports Radio 810. And he had the – uh, the foresight to look up how much the Chiefs are spending on their defensive line. It's vaunted defensive line. <laughs> According to Spot Track, it's the most expensive D line in the NFL. Now, some is some of that dead cap from Frank? Could be. Sure. Guess what? Still, he's on the team. Bounce, yeah. Not looking like the top paid D line in the NFL. And again, that's where I think a lot of the issues start and finish. It's tough to blame rookie cornerbacks when they're asked to hold for four or five seconds because the D line is getting no pressure outside of, of Chris Jones, who Chris Jones, I still think is doing a fantastic job this season, but let's get into analytics addict. What do you have for us this time, Adam? Yeah. You need to use the Hubble telescope to find a bright spot from that last game. We, we we've squinted and maybe found a few, but I think the closest thing to a really bright spot was how the running backs performed. Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon, they rushed for 117 yards on 22 carries. I think, I think that 22, oh, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. I think that 22 carries 
uh, is a good amount of action for those for that running back tandem. 5.3 yards per tote. It's a good clip there. McKinnon averaged 2.75 yards after contact. Pacheco, 2.57. Those are very good numbers. And I think play calling was part of it. The uh, rushing TD to Pacheco on a down when, when Kansas City normally passes 97 times out of 100, maybe 100 times out of 100 if we're being honest, totally caught them off guard, scored a touchdown there. Maybe we're seeing some growth. Now, I know some of us would have liked the Chiefs to run on that final third down to make it maybe fourth and one, right? That's a pretty convertible uh, situation. But I do think Clyde Edwards-Alaire no longer being part of the mix has really allowed these two to get in a groove. And they complement each other well. And we're even seeing Pacheco start to catch some passes. Now, his, his pass protection needs some work, but he's a rookie, and McKinnon's really good there. And we're seeing a little bit of Ronald Jones, but I don't think he's going to be a factor. I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to be a factor. I think these are the two guys, and out of everybody in the roster, at least every unit on the roster, I think this one performed the best. Would you agree with that? Sure. I think Mahomes played pretty well for the most part as well. What was thrown out there, what was given, I think Mahomes performed admirably, especially that touchdown. He had the whole Michael Jordan tongue out, trying to fight his way to the end zone, got in. That was incredible. Uh, But yeah, and by the way, I love watching Isaiah Pacheco run the ball. It's so enjoyable, the energy he brings, just watching it on TV. The first time you see it, you're sitting here going, oh my gosh, is he about to start talking shit to the opponent? But no, he just pops right up, runs the ball to the official, gets right back in the, uh, in the huddle, and wants to do it again. He looks like a human being that's fat, being fast-forwarded by a remote. That's what he looks like to me. Like, he's run, why are you, you even run back to the huddle? You're always, I picture him in his house, like running to the sink, running to the kitchen, running up the stairs. Dude has a lot of energy. But it's almost a dude who doesn't mind being hit, and at times he wants to deliver the hit. We saw it. The last play before halftime, snapped the ball, what, two seconds, they ran the ball with him. He could have gone out of bounds. He stayed in bounds to deliver a hit to the cornerback as time expires on, what, the 30-yard line. You're sitting here going, why would you do that? But it's a mental thing, letting the defense know, all right, even if I'm not going to score here, even if it doesn't even matter, I'm delivering the hit, you're taking it. You have to tackle me. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to make it easy for you. I'm not stepping out of bounds. Tackle me. I like seeing that. I like seeing Isaiah Pacheco run the football. To me, it's a joy, a burst of energy. And frankly, I think it's what the team needs. The team needed some energy. Uh, frankly, I wish it would have translated to the defense side of the ball since the defense couldn't tackle. Either way, fun watching him run the football. Yeah, and his hard-nosed style really appeals to the kingdom and has made him a fan favorite. This is a fan base that fell in love with the Nigerian Nightmare. We had Larry Johnson. He had a few years there that were uh, uh, pretty legendary in his own right. Neither of those guys played very long, but Kansas City definitely loves kind of a lunch pail, um, you know, truck stick 
uh, kind of running back. Yeah. Let's get into the next segment, the KC stock market, pump or dump? You guys know the drill by now. We are going to throw a question at each other and the chat, and you guys are going to decide, and Sterling and I will too, whether we are going to pump or dump, which is basically buy or sell. So the first one is Sky Moore got zero targets. Was this a, a play calling error? Mm. Uh, you know, is this something that that the Chiefs will fix? Pump or dump? The Chiefs fixing this this year? No. So I'll say dump. I just don't think Sky Moore is in the game plan for this season. When he had the opportunity, he he's not punt returns. As far as as a wide receiver, he's done well. I'm a little surprised we didn't see him in a game where Kadarius Tony and McCole Hartman didn't play, but it wasn't like, for the most part, it wasn't the offense would have excelled if Sky Moore was out there. They, Juju Smith-Schuster came up with big-time plays on third down. Uh, Travis Kelsey was solid, even though he was in and out of the game more than we would have liked to see. MBS had a couple of big plays deep, but the Chiefs did run the ball a good amount. The, the, the clock was running. I mean, the clock was – this was a fairly quick ball game, right? It was fairly 27 quick. 27 attempts from Mahomes? Yeah. It, it was it, sub-30. It wasn't a ton of attempts, so it wasn't like Sky Moore would have had a, to- a ton of opportunities either way. I don't think it was a play-calling error. I just think it was game script. I think we'll see a lot more Sky Moore next season. I think it is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and uh, and cry for Sky Moore because there's only one football, and I don't know if he's better than Juju, Travis Kelsey, MVS, Kadarius Tony when he's healthy. I think next year is when we really see Sky Moore. I'm going to do a little pump uh, because I think it was kind of a pl- play calling air. And I expect not every week, some weeks he'll disappear. But like the Rams, in that Rams game, he actually had the highest yards per route run, which is a really telling metric for how effective and efficient receivers are on the entire team, even higher than Travis Kelsey. So when he has actually gotten an opportunity, he has popped. The strange thing is the game where he fumbles, where he muffs the punt, they go right back to him and make him an integral part of the attack. And the game where he doesn't fuck up, they forget about him. It, it, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the Chiefs' um, rotation doesn't make a lot of sense, but they do have a lot of mouths to feed. Let's get into the next one. Andy Reid needs to be more aggressive on fourth down and stop going to Butker over Mahomes, pump or dump. Well, you've, you heard me earlier in the show. Yes, pump. pump Both of pump, us, pump. yeah. We, we didn't think we would go there, but we did. That's a big pump for me, too. The next one, and we talked about this, too. The Chiefs really missed Turk Wharton's pass rushing inside. I'm obviously a pump. Are you a pump or a dump, Sterling? Slight pump. Slight pump. Half pump. Itty-bitty pump. Quarter pump. Turk Wharton's fine. Turk Wharton's not an elite interior pass rusher. I think there's more issues at play, whether it's Spag's system, which I don't know. It shouldn't be considering how much uh, investment they've made on this defensive line. Uh, Chris Jones needs help. Braylon speaks. <clears throat> yeah. I, I like George Karloftis. I loved the draft pick. I was very high on him before he came to Kansas City. He was a day one, week one starter. It's taken him a little bit of time. I'm not super surprised. He's not a major issue, 
but he's also not some guy who's making a major impact. When Mike Dana at times has looked like your second best pass rusher outside of Chris Jones, you have an issue. I just don't know how much Turk Wharton would have made an impact. So I will do a slight pump, slight dump. I know it's soft, but call me Chiefs tackling because I'm being soft right now. Charmin. The last one, MVS was supposed to show us a more complete route tree, but he's still a one-trick pony. Pump or dump? Dump that he was supposed to show us a more complete route tree. I will pump the fact that he's still a one-trick pony. If you expect it different, that's on you. MVS has shown his entire career, his entire tenure in Green Bay, now in Kansas City. He's a uh, deep ball threat. That's what he is. That's what he was going to be. And he will continue to be that to an extent. It's like Deshaun Jackson say, well, why isn't he running more under underneath routes? Why is he not running some out routes? That's not what he does. MVS, this is what he does. And they went to him a couple of times. It worked the time um, they tried to get him in the end zone. It didn't let him do those. Not <laughs> his the game. ball up and let him run underneath it. Yeah. He's either going to hit a home run or strike out. That is who he is. That's, been who he is and i kind of fell for the offseason hype mahomes and reed they were talking him up saying well he didn't get a chance to do everything he can do in green bay because they run the ball and Devonte adams has the highest target share in the league and blah 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 we've been impressed with his route tree now he is just a lid lifter that's all he is that's all he'll ever be and frankly, I'm I'm glad that the Chiefs have some flexibility to get out of that deal. I, I will say this. I don't think – if you expect different, that's on you. I think he's having a fine season. I, I do. He, he's projected to go for almost 800, 850 yards this season. I know it might not seem like he's, that's a, he's going for that much, but because a lot of the plays he's made have been big-time catches. MVS is about to shatter all of his, you know – single season records that he had in, in green Bay. Well, he's healthy too. He sure. But it, doesn't that count? Like it, it I, does. It does. I think MBS has had a successful season. If you want to say he's overpaid for what he does, I'll listen to it. But this is what he was in green Bay. He's done the same thing, but, but, but be healthy. I think it's been a successful season to an extent for MVS. If you're expecting to get over a thousand yards when Travis Kelsey's going for 1400 or so, Juju's going for about a K your expectations are too high. MVS has been fine. He's, I just expected him to show consistent. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. And I expected him to show maybe a little, a hint of more of a route tree here. And he's just been the same guy. Inconsistent, can make big plays, but also disappears some weeks. And but that's, but just, that's, like, that's like expecting, I don't know. That's like expecting... Because Clyde was a first-round draft pick, if he's not getting 1,400 yards, it's a disappointment. If Clyde would have just thrown this out here, if Clyde would have got 1,000 yards this year rushing, you'd be like, oh, that's a solid season, but not not first round. MPS has been fined. The moral of the story is don't buy into the preseason hype. That's on you. Usually, yeah, it's on Best shape of my life, baby. Best shape of my life. I'm going to have an Instagram pick of, you know, six-pack next preseason and – Still not perform well. No, I'm kidding. Spot the fake. Let's get through spot the fake. We're, we're bringing it back for one week until Sterling and I figure out what we're going to do here. If you have any ideas, 
hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on discord. Uh, we are workshopping what we're going to do next, but we have a lot of fun with this. So we thought we would do it one more time. So what I do is I name four things from some fandom that's extremely nerdy. And one of them is not real, is not a real thing. Sterling has to spot the fake, which he's not very good at, but hopefully today he'll get a W. This week is which is not a creature from the Lord of the Rings franchise. You ready for this? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Azog the Defiler. Watcher on the Water. Durin's Bane. And the Rambling Ridgetop. I'm going Rambling Ridgetop for the reason of the alliteration. Feels like you you threw that in there. Ding, 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 ding. I got it right. Yeah, you won, man. You won this week. Yeah, there you go. It was the it was the suit. That's what it was. It, hey, looking sharp. No, Brett Veach. Uh, you know, watch out. This guy's coming for your for your phone. You don't want me as a GM. I think I have great ideas. I don't always have great ideas. I will say, Odell Beckham Jr. would have been signed by now, and that might not be a great decision. <laughs> What I like about Veach is I kind of get the feeling that he's willing. You kind of have to be willing to be very wrong to be very right. And, and then admit your mistakes and pivot and grow. And he does a great job of that. Let's get you guys out of here with the parting shot. I am ready to face any challenge that might be foolish enough to face me. That famous quote is from Dwight Schrute of the office. So my point here is around 25 teams, maybe even 26 or 27 would have zero chance against the Kansas city chiefs in the playoffs. KC is still the big dog. The only issue is maybe there's three or four other big dogs that we have to contend to, but life is still good. This is still the premier franchise in the league going forward. Don't freak out. Maybe maybe reset expectations, recalibrate a tiny bit, but they still have a good shot of winning a Super Bowl, getting back to the AFC Championship, which is basically the Patrick Mahomes challenge at this point. And I have a lot of faith that they'll figure it out. They usually do. Uh, thanks for being with us here on Wacky Wednesday. Again, do us a favor if you like our content. This will help us bring more content to to you guys. Mash the like button. Mash the subscribe button. Go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us a five-star review. If you want to leave us a question over on Apple Podcasts, you can do that too. We'll try to get to it as a group. And we just are so appreciative for your support. But until next week, I'm Adam. That's Sterling. Go Chiefs!
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 